We are online, generationword.com, uh, with a feed on that page. And the notes are right there. If you want to click underneath, there says notes. The notes we're looking at are right underneath on the front page, right underneath the live feed on generationword.com. Tonight we are in Mark 7, verses 1 through 23 again. Uh, we started last week. The issue here is unclean food. And the, it's going to come down to two things. The traditions of the elders or the fathers or the leaders and uh, verse the the word of god or the commands of god we'll just say the word of god jesus refers to it as the commands of god and the idea there is we have the written word of god that was given that they recorded the prophets gave it to the jews they it was recorded the bible ended up being finalized being written we can just say you know 445 bc i know it's kind of specific but you know about 445 bc it was all written down sometime after 445 bc uh the elders began to try to explain it and make the uh, the word of god so that they could apply to every area of life or make it applicable to life the pharisees got into this and it was an oral tradition it was to oral it was something that they would just teach the pharisees would verbally hand it down it'd be memorized and taught uh, this continued until after 70 A.D., after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., when J- Jews were dispersed. Then they, they wrote it down. It was written down in the Mishnah, and it was the written down. So in Jesus' time, 30 A.D., this is just the oral traditions. And that it was called the traditions of the elders. And what it was, it was to serve as a fence uh, around the Word of God, to protect the Word of God, to, to communicate the Word of God. Uh, but it was the teachings of men. It was an expansion. It, it falls into that area of uh, do not add to or take away from the Word of God. We do not want to take things away from the Word of God, but we do not want to add to the Word of God. We want to make sure we stay in the Word of God and let the Word of God speak. That is the revelation. Uh, an example of this you can see, and I mentioned last week, uh, probably in passing, is in the Garden of Eden. Adam was told, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from all these trees, but don't eat from that one. The serpent came to Eve, who had been taken from Adam's rib sometime after Adam had been told. And Eve explained it to the serpent, says, we're not to eat or touch the tree. And she began to add to, he had not even touched the tree. And so it appeared almost like a fence that Adam maybe had expanded a little bit. That's an assumption as we look at it. But th- this is a taking place here. Uh, they had a- taken the Word of God and they had built parameters around it. Uh, it began in, uh, well, I think it's on the bottom of page one of the notes, uh, point five. The conflict of the Pharisees is two-leveled. One, the symptom, is uncleanness. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was this idea of the, in the Jewish law, the ideal of uncleanness. But it was focused mainly on the priest. And right there you can see I've got the verses written down, Exodus 30, uh, Exodus 40, Leviticus 22. The priests were required to wash before entering the tabernacle. Now this whole idea of washing that we're going to be seeing here and talking about in, in Mark chapter 7 is not hygiene. It's not about being clean and, and getting rid of germs and avoiding disease. It's, it's symbolic. It's a ritual. It's that the priests were... Uh, from the secular world, they'd been amongst the people. They had to wash because they're coming into the presence of God. They had to be cleansed to get rid of the uncleanness. And so they had a washing. Leviticus 15 talks about bodily discharges that would make a person unclean. 
So there are these washings that are mentioned in the scriptures. Uh, this goes on and talks here. Uh, point four mentions the Qumran community that lived out by the Dead Sea. They, they built on it. They had very extreme. So this, this little bit that was explained in the Law of Moses, by the time it came out of, after 445, they began to expand it to the whole community in a greater fashion. In, in an oral tradition, they had all kinds of lists and rules. Some of the Pharisees picked up on it and expanded it. The Sadduce, or Sadducees weren't so much interested in it because they had, they had only accepted the first five books of the Bible. But the Qumran community lived out by the Dead Sea. They were totally into this cleanliness. Uh, had ritual baths, mikvahs. In fact, I got pictures here. I'm not sure if I showed them to you last week. Uh, there's a picture on page four. That's a mikvah just south of the temple. That mikvah that you see on the bottom of page four would be right down in this area. There's several mikvahs here south of the Temple Mount, uh, which would be where the Jews, before they went up the stairs onto the Temple precincts out here, uh, there'd be rituals, a place where they could bathe the mikvahs. There's a very large one right here that you can't see in the picture. Uh, the Pool of Shalom was further south. Of the, you know, a lot of people would use that. But that, one, that picture right there on page uh, 4 is in that area, and you can just see several of them. The uh, other one on page 5 is also in that area, another mikvah. Oh, there it is, page, the last page. Page 6 is a mikvah with steps going down into it. That's at the Qumran community. That's out by the Dead Sea. You can stand right there and, and see the Judean wilderness and then just turn and look at this direction, and you can see the Dead Sea. Look up this direction, you see the Jordan River running north, or it runs south, but where it comes from, from the north. And that would be the area that John the Baptist had been baptizing in. So that is a mikvah there, uh, and that would be for full body immersion. Uh, the story of Jesus, the, that Mark is recording about Jesus, about the disciples supposedly should be washing their hands. Now, these, again, were expanded rules and laws that they had coming out of the, the Old Testament dealing with ritual cleansing, and they expanded it. Uh, their intention was to make it applicable for all of life in every area, but it becomes the traditions of the elders or uh, Jesus is going to call it the teachings of men or the traditions of men. And now that they've got this, eventually you're going to get so many rules and regulations and apply it in so many ways that you have gone beyond what God intended. And so now you're going to start having a conflict between what the Word of God was saying and intending and what you're saying. And you're going to push it, especially going from 445 to 30 A.D. and beyond. You're going to have four or 500 years. It's like playing the telephone game, if you would. That's not a perfect example. But the longer it goes, the more of a conflict. It may have started with a good intention, but it's, a, it's now in a complete contrast. And this issue in this, this story is going to come down to, are you going to follow the traditions, the teachings of men, or are you going to follow the Word of God? It has come that far. And these people are saying, well, we're very committed to the Word of God, so we're teaching the traditions of men that if we'll follow this, we know we're fulfilling this because we've expanded on it. Well, they've expanded it so far that you've lost the Word of God. In fact, what they're worried about is the outside cleanliness, the ritual, the appearance. Because if they eat something unclean, this is just talking about washing hands here at the first, but it's going to end up being the food they eat, uh, where they go, who they communicate with. And if they're touching something, it's going to make them unclean on the inside. Jesus in this story is going to reverse the process. 
they're afraid of touching something or eating something that's going to come in and defile them and make them unholy before god which now if you think about it that's not the issue the issue is god is not worried about you getting made unclean because of something coming into you because jesus is going to say no you are already unclean you are he doesn't say it this way but the ideal is you are sinful by nature the problem with the world is the corruption that comes out of mankind now this is a huge christian principle uh and it flies in the face of western culture today uh secular humanism or even if you want to push it into as, as they go further and further towards satanism which we, we can see it heading that way more and more is that man is good and whatever man wants man should get and man is now serving himself because man is fine i'm okay you're okay uh even when you go to uh uh proverbs 30 and talk about the four generation cycle there is a the first generation is those that do not bless their mother and or do not bless their fathers and, and and curse their parents the second is those who are pure in their own eyes yet are not cleansed of their filth they say i'm fine i'm okay i don't need help i'm and, and then now they begin to project out and what they're actually pumping out of themselves is the corruption is the sin is the false philosophies the traditions of men were in a by this time were protecting man from becoming defiled by food and 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 in unclean things from the outside as if they had a heart that was pure jesus says no it's not what comes into you that makes you unclean it's what's coming out of you you're already unclean and he's going to reverse that process on them now when this conflict begins they're going to be missing the word of god and honoring the traditions of men part of the reason for this book and this part of the story is and we we ended here last week and we're going to, i want to end up there again but in 57 a.d paul is going to write to the romans chapter 14 and 15 we started reading chapter 15 uh and he, he addresses the ideal of uh of the weak believer and the strong believer the weak believer avoid certain foods because of their lack of understanding the strong believer says i I, i'm fine i can eat anything and and he says you be careful because you do not want to offend and judge each other because you're all growing in christ and he's talking to the romans because he's writing from corinth in 57 a.d to the roman believers and this is about about clean cleanliness or judy uh, food that is unclean and there's people that are in process coming out of judaism or they've been influenced by judaism some that have have missed the whole effect of judaism and paul is being very slow and patient here in chapter 14 and 15 of romans then comes mark say 64 a.d at the after paul peter's death 64 65 a.d he writes mark he's saying the same thing writing in rome and he's addressing this issue and he's making it very clear with jesus words that there is no there is no correlation between judaism and christianity in this area they have got through traditions of men but these traditions of men that they're following the the dietary laws the the washing the rituals are not the word of god you are to follow the word of god the traditions of men that Jesus had, and this is with the, one of the longest conflicts, chapter 7, verses 1 through 23, one of the longest conflicts recorded by Mark, which makes it apparently a big deal 
in Jesus' ministry, but also in Rome. Remember, 57 AD, chapters 14 and 15 of Romans. You go about seven, eight years later, chapter 7 of Mark is addressing the same thing with the words of Jesus and uh, to the same group of people. So it appears that this was an issue, and Mark is putting a wedge between Judaism and Christianity, saying this is not, they're, they're not the same thing. And this has already been discussed in 48 AD at the Jerusalem Council. Um, so we look on, uh, that, that was uh, on page 2, that was the first issue there. Do notice point three one. All these traditions of men that the Pharisees had, several of them had already been violated by the disciples. And right here, point one, Jesus or the disciples had already violated being with lepers, being with tax collectors, being around Gentiles, the, the woman that had the issue of blood, and corpses. They'd all been in contact with that and never bothered to stop and say, oh, I might become unclean, because it was not a violation of the Word of God. It was a violation of the Pharisees. And that is, that is a very clear contrast. Because, and the Pharisees could not understand it. And the Pharisees are going to continue to come after Jesus. And that's probably an important point to point out here, because after chapter, verse 23, uh, Jesus is going to leave, and, and we'll look at this at the end here tonight, Jesus is going to leave the, land, the area of Galilee, he's going to leave Galilee, and go up into Phoenicia, visit there, come back and go over to Decapolis, the Gentile area, because early in his ministry he had a conflict in Capernaum with the religious leaders a couple of different occasions. He comes back after this chapter 6 of going across the sea and walking on the water, comes back to this area, right away has a conflict with the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law coming out of Jerusalem. He leaves, goes over to the land of the Gentiles, and returns, and right away in chapter 8, the Pharisees are right there again. In fact, you can see it uh, in chapter 8, I think I pointed out last week too, um, I'm in Mark chapter 7, chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. We're going to read through that here in a moment. That's the conflict here with the Pharisees and the unclean. Then in verse 24 of chapter 7, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. So he's up here in Phoenicia, Gentile territory. He's going to cast out demons with the Gentiles. He's going to heal the Gentiles. He's then going to cross over here to Gentile territory over here, Decapolis. And there he's going to multiply bread and feed 4,000 people. And then he's going to come back into the area of Capernaum. And that is in chapter 8. Um, oh, gee, okay. I'm looking here. Oh, chapter 8, verse 11. So after feeding the 4,000, chapter 8, verse 11, the Pharisees came, well, I'll go to back to verse, verse 10, verse 9. About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into the boat, he's over here, got into the boat, with his disciples and went to the region of Del Munatha, right up in, in this area here. 
the Pharisees came. He comes back to up by Capernaum, back across in the Gen, uh, Jewish territory. And the Pharisees came and began to question him or debate with him or argue with him. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. And then it, he answers him in verse 13. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed back to the other side. So Jesus leaves this situation right here that we're going to talk about, this longest conflict. He leaves, goes up to Phoenicia, casts out demons, heals, comes back, goes over to the Gentile territory, spends time there, feeds 4,000, steps back into Jewish territory. Pharisees are there, wanted to argue with him. He says, I'm not going to give you a sign. Gets back in the boat and goes away again. So this Pharisee conflict, uh, I, I think, exp- as we look at the book of Mark, is, is should not just be every once in a while the Pharisees pop up and the scribes pop up and challenge Jesus. The impression here, I think it's safe to assume that whenever Jesus went out in public, not only were the, the, the multitudes searching for him or wanting something from him, a healing or bread or something, the Pharisees were there attacking him uh, with their own not not questioning, not trying to learn, but attacking him, trying to prove him wrong uh, throughout his entire ministry. So that's kind of where we're at right here. Uh, look at uh, uh, the second point there on page two, besides the fact that uh, they had taken and built a fence around the, the issues, uh, the traditions of the elders have also mentioned that again was in clear conflict with the scriptures okay so let's read through this uh i've got the notes here on chapter 7 verse 1 through 23 and the english standard version in the notes and we're going to eventually go first we're going to eventually go uh to isaiah 29 here in just a moment so here we go chapter 7 verse 1 now when the pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from jerusalem so they'd come all the way from jerusalem some 90 miles away They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. That doesn't mean they didn't have masks on and were not washing their hands and they were spreading COVID. It means that they were uh, not following the rituals. It it has nothing to do with health. And there's a plague breaking out in Galilee. You guys need to be washing your hands and stop spreading. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with ritual. And here's chapter 7, verse 3, is in parentheses in the English Standard Version, because it appears to be something Mark was adding. Again, the Romans are reading this, the Roman believers. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, now again, that's an overstatement possibly, not all the Jews, for example, the Sadducees didn't follow these, and many of the, the uh, what we'd say, the secular cultural Jews that were just kind of part of the culture didn't follow the details of this. But you can say the Pharisees and all the Jews that were serious about the oral traditions do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to, right here, one of the first times it says this, holding to the traditions of the elders. Now that's a key phrase that's going to come up several times here, uh, about five or six times. The traditions of the elders or the teachers of the fathers. Jesus is going to call it the teachings of men. Because this is what it's a competition between. It's not, not, it's not a matter that Jesus is violating the law of Moses, that Jesus and the disciples are not following the word of God, is that these Pharisees have taken and expanded on, and they've got their own standard that they want Jesus to jump up and meet. And it's like, that's, not, that's the word of men. And again, the issue here, uh, if this is taking place in 30 AD, and this is something for you to think about today, application, this is taking place clearly in 30 AD. Jesus is going to quote Isaiah 
uh, Isaiah 29 from about 700 B.C. because the people of Isaiah's time were just like the people of 30 A.D. doing making the same mistake. If it was in 700 B.C., if it's this way in 30 A.D., what about 2023? Is this something that we're facing in our lives uh, somewhere? And what side are you on? Are you on the side of the traditions of, the, of, of man, the traditions of the elders, or are you on the side of the Word of God? I could see myself being in both camps. I mean, this is one thing when you step in, you look at this, and we become critical, and it, this, is, this, this is healthy. You become critical of the Pharisees right here and say, yeah, that's bad. I'm with Jesus. We're over here. Okay, that's, that's good. But at the same time, when you look at it, all the way through the Gospels, especially Mark, the disciples were never with Jesus. The disciples were usually dragging behind. In fact, the next thing that happens in chapter 8 is he's going to chew them out in the boat because he says, beware of the bread of the Pharisees. And they're going to say, I told you, he knew we forgot to bring the bread. And they're, they're arguing. He says, he says, I'm not talking about bread. He says, I just got done feeding 5,000 people and 4,000 people. And you think I'm warning you that I'm upset that you forgot the lunch basket? He says, I'm talking about the teaching of the Pharisees. So he was warning that the disciples weren't even with him. So they were not happy and smiling. They were like, what? I don't know what's going on. And so there's one thing about listening to the story and going, yeah, I'm glad I'm not like the Pharisees. But realize the only hero in the book of Mark is Jesus. And if that's the case, whenever these stories are told, it's not just me and Jesus against the Pharisees. It's me and the Pharisees against Jesus and the word of God. So besides looking at it and saying, yeah, I'm not glad I'm not like a Pharisee, is like, how do I fit in the story? How am I like the Pharisees? Do you understand that? It's like, I, I, it's easy for me to say, okay, I understand this, and I'm glad I'm the one teaching this, because, boy, I'm glad I'm not doing that. But that's sometimes just during this Bible study time. And then Bible study's over, and I go back to life, and I'm right back doing the things. And I, I, and I miss that, because I'm not, I don't want to think about that. I want to think about how, well, I'm a Bible teacher, I'm doing things. It's like, take a break, Galen. Maybe you're not doing this exactly right. And how are you like the Pharisees or the disciples? And now, now of course, that becomes important. Uh, and applicable. So in 2023, today, one, who are the Pharisees? Who are the Pharisees that are telling us to follow the traditions of men? Okay, and they're out there. It's like, I ain't, that's not in the Word of God. That's, that's your secular humanistic ideal of Jesus. For example, Jesus was always tolerant. Jesus always put up with, and he was always reaching out to the sinners. Indeed, to call them to him, he wasn't going to the sinners and becoming like the sinners. So there's, a, there's that problem of people... But that's, that's now being, saying, well, I'm glad I'm not like the Pharisees. Now in 2023, how am I doing the same thing? How am I exalting my traditions, my ideas above the Word of God? Uh, maybe in my teaching, in my lifestyle, in my practice. How have I taken the things of the culture or whatever and made them acceptable? And actually, as Jesus says, your, pra- your, your teaching has nullified the Word of God. So that's kind of important as we look at this. It was true in 30 A.D., it was true in 700 B.C. It's got to be true at some level for us today. Uh, and so seven, chapter 7, verse 3, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And it continues in chapter 7, verse 4. And, they, and when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. 
and there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So Mark is saying this issue is of washing hands, but it is one of many things the Jews do when they go to the marketplace. They don't eat unless they wash. In fact, they may go to the marketplace and bathe. Remember COVID first broke out? I remember we'd go get groceries and stuff, and we were so, we were so afraid the bubonic plague was here. I'd be dropping dead in the streets that we would you know, take our shoes off outside. I know we, we did. I mean, we were, we were full force, you know, the plague is here, but the plague is here. And we'd, then we'd come in and we'd wash all the, we always wash our fruit anyhow, but you'd wash the bottles and because you're bringing a COVID, it's like, <gasps> I can feel it just crawling up on me. And you're putting everything away after you washed it. And then after about two weeks, it's kind of like, you know, you know, when we were wearing like helmets and oxygen tanks and like we're going out to Mars or something. And then after about two weeks, it's kind of like, okay, never mind. Um, but th- that's, you know, th- that here, the same idea. They come from the marketplace. It wasn't because of COVID. It was because of, they're not, not sure in the marketplace, could you have bumped into a Gentile? Could you have bumped into a leper? Or you could have bumped into any variety of people, maybe even bumped into an unclean person who'd become unclean because to be in contact with a dead body or a, a wider, you don't know, you don't know who you bumped into. And it's not because of COVID, it's because of you become sinful before God because you bumped into these people. So you're all, you're thinking, the idea is everything's fine here, it's these things out here are going to defile me before God. And Jesus is basically going to laugh at it, go like, you're kidding me. You don't understand. You're already corrupt before God. Your, your corruption comes from in here. The problem is what you're thinking, what you're saying is corrupting the world. You're destroying the, you're bringing corruption wherever you go. And the word of God is there to change that for you to judge yourself and purify yourself with the word of God so you can bring goodness into the world. And they've got it completely reversed. And Jesus will point that out here in a moment. But notice what they do. Not only washing their hands, but washing when they come from the marketplace, washing their vessels, their cups, their coppery vessels, even their dining couches. Um, and I, I write that down right here. There the are many things they were doing. Chapter 7, verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, here's the, here's the question, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but they eat with defiled hands? And the answer is, because we're not following the traditions of the elders. We're following the word of God. You're following a false, a pseudo-Judaism that has nothing to do with the word of God. Your religion has nothing to do with Jesus or the word of God. That, I mean, he doesn't say it like that. But that's their question. Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders? And now they're attacking the disciples... But by attacking the disciples, it's a direct attack on Jesus. He sh- if you're really a rabbi, if you're really teaching these students, they should know this matter right here. Like, for example, someone could criticize me as a Bible teacher. I teach Bible class, and then they find some of my people that listen online or find you know, people that come to Bible study, and then they ask a question, you know, so what is your opinion of the Trinity? Or what is your opinion of whatever the subject would be? And it's like, whatever your answer is, ah, why is Gala not teaching this accurately? The attack on the student or the disciple is not an attack on them. It's to prove the teacher's really not doing his job. And that's what this is right here. Why do your disciples not follow the traditions? You're not teaching the full material. Your curriculum is incomplete. And they're attacking Jesus. And the fair, okay. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, 
Jesus, they're in 30 A.D. saying, 30 A.D., they're saying, why are you not teaching the traditions of men? Why are you not teaching what the other men are teaching? And Jesus says, well, it's just like 700 B.C., just like what Isaiah had to deal with. And we're going to look at that verse here very quickly. Go to Isaiah 29. Jesus quotes this right here. And he said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? A couple things prophesy of course would mean to predict and so you can see that as you know he's predicting the future but isaiah is actually talking to the people of his generation and so there you've got a situation where he's identifying the problem with the people in 700 bc in jerusalem but also there's going to be others coming and i do not think and again you, you can you can disagree with me that there is a situation in 700 bc that isaiah spoke to and it also prophesied about some situation 30 a.d i think isaiah is identifying a problem through the word of god that has been a problem throughout history i mean it was th- clearly before 30 a.d clearly after 30 a.d uh it continues it continues up to today on this particular issue and there's gonna be others similar to it and then hypocrites means again we talk about watch this our word it means to wear a mask it's the idea of a it's it's a right from the greek play it means to wear a mask so for example if i'm the actor this is what i would look like but when i'd come into a greek theater in on movies today you know they go into makeup they have the makeup all done and they have all the, the the hair and whatever they do uh to give you the look that they want for the character in those days they just would have a mask you're sitting up there in the theater they just come out and make up and you grab a mask and i'm ready you know it's like you just you just hold a mask up like this and the ideal is this is this is the the real thing but this is now the cover this is the fake this is the show this is the act uh and so a hypocrite was someone that wore the mask It, it, it means an actor now we take that, and again, it's becoming a hypocrite. It means, for example, if I say I'm a Christian, but I really live, this is the way I live, but when I go out in public, I put on a mask, and I say Christian-type things, and I want you to think that I'm a good Christian, but if you looked at my heart, I'm really not a very good Christian. I'm not even trying, or whatever. I, I, I live contrary to the way I present myself. That's what the hypocrite would mean. Uh, it would mean insincere. It would mean fake. I'm, I'm imitating it. I'm trying to hide behind a mask. That is probably not what, I mean, the word is still hypocrite. It means the one who wears a mask. But it, these guys are not insincere. Do you understand? These guys are not, in, they're not, like Jesus is not saying, you're not even sincere. You want us to wash our hands, but you don't even really wash your hands. Now listen, they did really wash their hands. You want us to wash all of our cups and not eat all this food, but yet, I see you over at Joe's pork sh- pork uh, pork chop shop. I got to. I knew what I was going to try to say it. I, I couldn't say. It. You're even at Joe's pork chop shop. <laughs> you know, eating. You know, with, with, you know, and it's like, and oh, you know, we don't. I don't. It's like, no, they really weren't eating pork chops. They really were washing their vessels. They were really washing their hands. They were really had mikvahs in their houses so they could bathe themselves. They would really go to the marketplace. It says right there, they would clean everything. So they weren't like asking the disciples to do something that they weren't doing. It's not that kind of a hypocrite. It means they had, there was something real that they were covering up. You hypocrites, you're putting on a fake covering and hiding something that's true. In other words, you've got the word of God 
but you've covered it up like an actor. You've, you, you're presenting a show out here that you're covering up the truth. It's not that they're not sincere. It's that you're, you're, you're missing the mark. This is not even real. This is a play. Your washing is all fake. It has nothing to do with being clean or unclean. What is unclean is take the mask off and look at yourself. You are unclean without the food. So that's what he's saying here. Well, did Isaiah prophesy, you know, predict or by the word of God identify you hypocrites who are covering up the real with something fake. You're covering up the word of God with something fake. And here it is. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So right there, these people honor me with their lips. They're saying things that sound like, you know, things that would be pleasing to God. But their heart, they're not even in the heart. They're just trying to give an appearance, again, a ritual. They don't even, they don't, they're not trying to hide something. They don't even know that they're that far off this is as close as they can come this this fake mask in vain do that they're worshiping but it's in vain you're not even worshiping the truth you're not even worshiping in truth and here it is teaching as doctrines what they are teaching as the truth the absolute doctrines are the commandments of men not teaching as doctrines the word of god but teaching as doctrines <laughs> The, the teachings of men uh and again it's sarcasm by jesus and i'm in isaiah 29 now very quickly if it's, that's even possible i mean isaiah 29 looking in verse 9 and again this is isaiah i i boy this several things i want to do here in isaiah 20 29 we'll see what happens uh, isaiah 29 but hear this see if this sounds if you get a little bit of insight here, what Isaiah, who Isaiah was talking to in this situation, uh, he's talking to his people, Isaiah is, around 700 B.C. Uh, in Jerusalem. In, in verse 9, he says, Be stunned and amazed, in the NIV. Blind yourself and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. So in other words, the people are there. Go ahead, you're going to be so, you're going to blind yourself and not be able to see the truth. You're going to be drunk with this false reality. You're not drunk with wine, but you're going to be staggering and stumbling because you're following a, a, a philosophy or a fake reality. Now, this is 70 A.D. This is 30 A.D. And we have the same thing happening in our culture here where you have this false reality. People want this to be true. Uh, if it come from the Christian realm, the church realm, the evangelical realm... Or, or from the secular realm, the secular humanism. This is what we think everybody is okay. Okay, well, go ahead. Blind yourselves. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be drunk with this false assumption, not drunk with wine. You're going to be stumbling around in life trying to figure stuff out, not because you're drunk with wine, but because you've got this stupid philosophy. You've got this stupid teaching of men instead of the truth of the Word of God. That's what, that's what Isaiah is saying. Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. In other words, those that are supposed to be leading you, they've bought into the false philosophy, and so they can't 
teach you the truth because they can only teach you the traditions of men. The Pharisees, you can't lead the people. Jesus even said it in another place. He says, when the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Your leaders are blind. They're following the traditions of men, trying to teach you to find God by following the traditions of men. And you're, you're, he has sealed your eyes, the prophets. Chapter, 11, chapter 29, verse 11. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. This whole vision, this whole presentation Isaiah is giving to his generation is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. They're, the words are there, the truth is there, but it's a scroll that's rolled up and sealed, and you can't read a sealed up scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say to him, read this please, he will answer, I can't, it's sealed. Now there would be, well, just break the seal and read it. But the reason is it's sealed because it's like the word of God. Here's the word of God. I read, but I don't understand because I bought into this false philosophy, this false ideology, if it be in 700 BC, as the Assyrians are coming, if it's 30 AD under Roman occupation with, with the Messiah standing in front, or if it's in our time, secular humanism or whatever we want to buy ourselves, uh, sell ourselves, uh, I can't. I can't read that. It's sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this, please, he'll answer, I don't know how to read. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is what Jesus quotes. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Now, I'm going to say this. Instead of rules, in 30 AD, it was traditions. I would say today, philosophies or ideologies. What, what is the, what is, it's like you come to God, you come near to worship, but you only come by rules taught by men or the traditions of men or the philosophy of men say this is the way we think the world should be everybody's okay we all have a little bit of goodness in us if we all just accept each other the way we are don't be judgmental there's not a right or wrong there's no absolutes we should all come to watch how more and more people are going to be talking about god and jesus and 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 jesus being an example it's going to become more and more easy because you're going to set aside the word of god it's 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 almost abandoned in our culture today already but the name of jesus and the ideal of jesus is very easy now and has been for years moved into or manipulated molded into what men want jesus to be and then they're going to hold jesus up and say you should be like jesus it's like uh that's the traditions of men that's the that's the the rules of men that's your false philosophy jesus is over here in the word of god and this is what there's is uh it's uh, i'm reading this again uh their worship of me is made up of only of rules taught by men therefore once more i will astound these people with wonder upon wonder the wisdom of the wise will perish the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish and we're going to see that in our culture. The wisdom of the wise, because we're in a postmodern culture, the wisdom of the wise is going to perish. The, little, the science that we do know, we're undermining science, creating a false foundation for it. It's going to begin to crumble like this. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. You're going to go to the universities. We've known this since the 70s. They're steeped in false philosophies. And the more they teach, the dumber you get.
and the less you can figure things out. And they have graduates come out, and they start teaching classes, and now we're down this road. Seminaries are full of it. Uh, in the 1800s, they, they challenged the Word of God. We know this. They challenged the Word of God in the 1800s. It's not really the Word of God. In fact, they couldn't even write back in Moses' day. These are just stories and legends. But let's still be Christians. It's like, uh, you, this is not true. No, the Bible's not true, but we're still going to follow Christ. Well, who's Christ? Ah, I'll tell you. They trained pastors that way, sent them out in the 1920s, and here we are. I mean, we just watched the progress, and that's exactly the same thing. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do, do their, their work in the darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. See, you're, the potter who's molding you as the clay, you think the potter is clay. We're going to set Jesus aside this way, and we're going to mold Jesus that will match our culture. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me? Can, you, can the pot say to the potter, he knows nothing? You've got the eternal revelation of God given to you by God. You should embrace it and let it change you into the image of God. But instead, you reject the word of God and have your own philosophies, your own traditions, your own teachings, and you mold God into this is a God we can all agree upon. Right, but there's no truth to it. It's over. In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field? And then it starts talking about the destruction that's going to come uh, to them. Because, and they're called not just Israel but, uh, and Judah, but up in, in Lebanon. Uh, I'd like to go back to Isaiah 28 because, uh, oh boy, it, it just kind of reinforces this. Oh, I, 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 what time? 41. Chapter, chapter 28, same idea. Look in chapter, uh, chapter 28, verse 7. And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. Now the priests and the prophets are to be leading the people. One is the law and, and, the, and the temple. One is the revelation of God that is being given to that generation. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit, and there is not a spot without filth. Who is it he is trying to teach? Now, who, to whom is he explaining the message? Now, there's a lot going on right here. They may be saying to Isaiah, these priests and the false prophets, who is he, Isaiah, trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? To children weaned from their milk? To those just taken from the breast? Is he trying to teach infants? Meaning they're mocking Isaiah's teaching, potentially. But nonetheless, they're asking, who is he trying to teach? For it is rule upon rule, uh, goes on a little here, a little there, uh, very well then. You see, what they're saying is, it's just a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, rule upon rule. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Verse 11, very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people, to whom he says, this is the resting place, let the weary rest. This is the place of repose, but they would not listen. In other words, he says, this is the place of rest, the word of God. They rejected it, and they wanted something else. So God says, very well. I will hand you over to the foreigners. 
So then the word of the Lord, and here's what happened, because they sealed it shut, verse 13, so the word of the Lord to them will become do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there, so that they will go and fall backward, be injured and snared and captured. In other words, since they rejected the word of God, I'm going to let you turn that word of God into rules and little guidelines and nitpicky things so you'll be completely confused and you'll stumble, fall back, and you'll be destroyed. You're going to say, ah, we've got the traditions of the men. We've got the traditions of the Father. We've got the teachings of men. Right, because you've rejected the word of God, your judgment is you don't have the word of God. You've only got this false philosophy. And that may be where our culture's at today. We've rejected the word of God. We've enjoyed that. We've embraced that. So God says, okay, we're done. Now, just follow your false philosophies and see where that takes you. And it's going to take you right over the edge. Anyway, that's go back to uh, the notes, Isaiah, uh, Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees came to Jesus and they said to him, now this, this is a, a, a damning verse that he's speaking to him. They come to Jesus. Again, this has been an ongoing battle. And they say to him, from Jerusalem, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus goes right to those verses we just read. And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? You have reality, but you cover it up with a mask so no one can see the truth. As it is written, uh, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And that's what you're doing, teaching. The, uh, the, this is the truth. This is the doctrines, the truth, but they're just the commandments of men. Where are you going to go? Chapter 7, verse 8, he says, You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Right there, he's he's telling right here. He says, you, uh, the word of God or the commands of God, and you've got the word leave there, traditions of of elders traditions of men teachings of men and this is the battle right there and jesus and mark as he's writing this is making a, a huge contrast what the jews were doing was not the word of god jesus is proclaiming the word of god they are coming against him now if you're in rome and you're a christian you're a believer in christ and you see the jews it's like ah should should we follow this it's like you go with the word of god that was given to the jews not the traditions and they say well this is what we should do no even well let's read this again he says in the english standard you leave the command of god right here i wrote word of god and hold to the traditions of men and i've got written down there that word i've got it in a box you leave that's a very strong word it it means to send away to leave alone you divorce you abandon you're right here's the word of god you not just it's not a drifting you drifted over here you uh, you were misled over here you you rejected this you said just like isaiah says you said no to the word of god and so god says okay well then the word of god is gonna be nothing but rules and rules do on do a little here a little there and you're never going to understand it you'll stumble and perish and he says, you have rejected, you've abandoned the word of God. Instead of following the word of God, this is where you went. And again, churches or ourselves, you have the word, teach the word of God. 
uh, we're going to teach the ways of the culture and how to be successful in the world, how to make friends, how to get, instead of teaching the word of God. Well, this is going to destroy you. If you abandon the word of God, and Jesus is saying the same thing, you leave the command of God and hold to the traditions of men. Uh, I've got several things written down. Nope, I don't. I've got to turn the page. Now I've got chapter 7, verse 9. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your traditions. Not only says you've rejected it, now he says you have a fine way of rejecting this and establishing. You're saying no to this and making the traditions of men now the standard. They're, they don't go and have the word of God and the traditions of men. They're try, the traditions of men are going to nullify the word of God. I mean, right here, you've got Jesus, who is the Word of God, being attacked by those who are presenting the traditions of men, and they're accusing the Word of God of being insufficient for their traditions of men. You're not keeping our tradition. It's like, uh, absolutely not. I'm over here doing this. Uh, And here's, for example, and this, uh, we may have talked about this a little bit last week. For Moses said in the Word of God, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles his father or mother must surely be put to death. That is the word of God. That is the command of God. But you say, now he knows their, he knows their, their, their process. He knows their, you know, he grew up there. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given, Mark says, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. For example, and it would p- apply to anything. If I have uh, my, my house and my estate, my inheritance, my money, my, my, my stocks, uh, whatever, my baseball cards, which I don't have anymore, anything that's of value, and I, the, the, the priest had a law, and, if, and people can do it today. You can take your estate, and when you die, the money goes to your, your, a charity or something. But if you would take this and you would say, you'd put this into, you'd, you'd make a contract with the temple, say, all of my possessions are going to belong to the temple. They're Corban. They've, they've been dedicated to God. I've dedicated all I have to God. Now, that doesn't mean you've sold everything like Barnabas did and gave it to the church. It means when I die, I'm going to sell everything and give it to the temple. What a great guy. Well, yeah, when you die, uh, who cares? It's you, but you get to use it up until the point of death, and then it's sold and given to the temple. But... If you have, in this case, he talks about father and mother. He uses the father and mother as an example, but it could be anybody. You have children. You have family members, and they're in need. It's like, oh, man. You know, I wish I could help, but I've dedicated all my possessions to the temple, and once I sign that agreement with God, I, I can't just give it away. I mean, I can't give away what's not really mine. I would be by helping you, I would be stealing from God. I'm sure you understand. It's like, uh, no, I don't understand. Because it's like, because in other words, it was a loophole. It was a, 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 a some kind of retirement, you know, IRA, a, what do you call it? Uh, you know, IRA, whatever. Is, that's, is that, I'm trying to think of some term. I don't know much about finances. <laughs> anyway, it's a loophole so you could protect your money from anybody taking it from you. And it really wasn't, uh, it wasn't that matter that they loved the Lord, is they didn't want to give their money away. Then you no longer, okay, if you've signed this, you don't have to help your father and mother, then you no longer 
permit him to do anything for his father and mother. Now, if someone were to go to the temple and say, I want to break the korban, it would be 50 shekels. You'd have to pay them 50 shekels to get your contract broken so you could help your mother and father or your children or somebody. Thus, he says, making void the word of God by your traditions. The word of God says, take care of your parents. But the traditions say, if you give it to in a contract korban to the temple and your parents need something, you can't give it to your parents. It belongs to God. So by your traditions now, nullify God's command. Now that was just, that's like, it's not all based on that. That's just one of an unlimited list of things that it's violating. Thus making void the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And watch this, and many such things you do. He just nails one obvious, honor your father and mother. I can't, I gave all my stuff to the temple when I die. You can't buy him a meal? Mm, Sorry, I can't help anybody. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. That's the word listen. He got it written there in the Greek. Nine times when Mark says, has Jesus say, listen or hear me, he's making a very solemn pronouncement. Now, this is, this is where he, he's going to flip the script on him. Two things happen right here. Uh, he's going he's to flip the script on him right here. Number one, he says, There is nothing outside a person that is going into him, excuse me, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. The traditions of men says, here is a man with a pure heart, right here, he's smiling, and here's this item right here, this unclean item, and if it touches his hand, oh, he's unclean. So you've got to take care of this stuff is bad out here. Make sure you wash it, rinse it off with water, and you'll stay happy. Jesus says that's not the way it is. It is within your heart. This is where the ugliness is. This is where it is, and it's you, what you say, what you do, you're bringing all that confusion out here. In other words, the sin nature is here, and you're defiling this, and you're defiling that. So if you've got God's Word coming into your heart, you're going to be able to purify your heart with the Word of God. But if you abandon the Word of God, and you have the teachings of men, all you're doing is modifying this corruption. So instead of going from the outside in, he says the corruption is on the inside coming out. And point two, Jesus also assumes and applies the rabbinic concept. One of the things that they taught when they were washing their little bowls and dishes, they'd wash a little eye. They couldn't wash this one because this is clay. They'd have to wash a stone. This one, if it was unclean, they'd have to break it. But it'd be the stuff on the inside. They'd have to wash it, but what was particular in their doctrine, in their teaching, it was those hidden parts, the inside parts that were where you really need to be careful of cleaning. So he takes this, reverses it, but then picks up on their, uh, their teaching that it's the inner parts. It's the inner parts where the uncleanness dwells. And so when you did clean something, you had to be very careful of the inner parts. So he reverses it, but then says, well, right here, uh, Uh, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And I write point B, Jesus also assumed and applies the rabbinic concept that what is is in the interior place of a vessel that were the most easily defiled and the most needed of cleansing. Now, just so you know, chapter 7, verse 16, some manuscripts have a verse right here that says, and anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, Now, I'm not sure what your translations have, but some translate, you know, the, the, the later manuscripts have that popping up. Earlier manuscripts do not have that. It appears, again, this is 
just I, I'm not prepared to argue this case. But one of the assumptions is, and I would go with this if I was going to bet on it, it appears that someone added that as they're copying the context. They went ahead and added it, and then from that point on, it was in the, in the manuscripts that came off of that particular manuscript that it was added into. But in the older manuscripts, that line, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, that's a, that's a good b- biblical phrase. Jesus does say that. He even says it similar to that in the book of Revelation. So that, that's not a bad verse but it, it's not something that's supported with the best text now that's right there that's a huge debate right now you got to stop study and and research um chapter 7 verse 17 and when he had entered the house and left the people his disciples asked him about the parable um they they did not understand what he see that he he just got done explaining this and arguing with the pharisees winning the debate and his, his disciples were like well, I don't know. I kind of thought that the the the, uh, the Pharisees were making a lot of sense, and especially Peter. Remember, Peter is going to see the, the the sheet come down and eat the unclean food, but later on in Antioch, he's going to side with the Jews and separate himself from the Gentiles, so he's not unclean. So you can imagine right here that when they're listening to the rabbis teach and the Pharisees argue with Jesus, they're like, "Yeah, Jesus, that's a good point." And so when, he, when they entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable, meaning. Yeah, can you explain that? Because I really didn't think that really won the argument or whatever their question. They didn't understand it. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? I mean, are you just like the people Isaiah was talking about? Are you without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? You cannot be become sinful because you touched an unclean person in the marketplace. You can't become sinful because you didn't wash your hands ritually you might get sick but you're not going to be sinful because you didn't wash your hands you can't become sinful from the outside in and now again for as a christian it's like okay that makes sense but for a jew it's like that's a hard teaching and he said to them then are you also without understanding do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile them since it enters into his heart it enters not into his heart, but his stomach, and it is expelled. And right there, parentheses Mark adds here, thus he declared all foods clean. And that is a huge statement right there. That agrees with uh, uh, Peter in the book of, uh, of Acts. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Now again, what comes out of his heart, not what comes out of his digestive system, but what comes out of his heart. In fact, here it is. For from within, and this is not this is not like oh well, I shouldn't be like this. No, this is this is what's inside of the this is the human nature. For from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. That's not going to preach well. It'd be a lot easier in 30 A.D. to say I'm fine. I'm okay, you're okay, just don't touch an unclean person, just don't drink from a, a, a cup that's been defied, and I'll be fine. It's like, what about on the inside? Let's not talk, let's not get personal, let's not talk about what's on the inside, let's talk about this out on the outside. And the same thing, we got the false philosophies today. Everyone's okay, don't be judgmental. It's like Jesus says, he's telling his disciples, he's not saying those Pharisees, he's telling his disciples, uh, the, the population of humanity, mankind, Peter, James, John, the Pharisees, mankind. 
what is in the heart is evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. If a person, if we as a culture, we stop identifying this and say everybody's okay and we no longer identify these things, you're going to get a flood of evil, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And who's going to say uh, that's envy, that's wicked, that's, that's, who's going to say those things? It's like, who's to judge? All these evil things come from within, and they defile the person. Uh, and then, the, that, that, I just put this here, that this is the longest conflict he had with uh, Mark, and the points right here, point A, uncleanness is within people, and point B, the Word of God teaches God's ways and God's salvation and morality. The teaching of the elders detracts from God's ways, God's salvation, and God's morality. So if you're going to teach the Word of God, it's going to point out man is sinful and these are God's ways. But if you reject the Word of God, man's philosophy is going to teach man's okay and is going to not recognize or identify any of the morality and is going to support man's evil and somehow try to justify all those evil things as being normal of being acceptable of being legalized theft murder all the way through okay what takes place next i wanted i wanted to read romans 14 and 15 you can do that on your own that's the debate there in 57 a.d which is uh, probably seven eight years before mark wrote this but of course 27 years after jesus taught this and what takes place right here next is going to be, like we'll pick this up next week, is Jesus leaves. After that episode, Jesus leaves, goes up to Phoenicia, casts out demons, heals, goes over to Decapolis, feeds 4,000 Gentiles, comes back up towards Capernaum. Boom, the Pharisees are waiting for him. Says, okay, if you really are who you are, show us a sign. I'm not going to give you any sign. The only sign you're going to get is a sign of Jonah. Got back in the boat and went away. I mean, he's done. He is done with the Jews at this point. Uh, he's going to make that that stop and one more stop on the way by as he goes through Galilee. Uh, I mean, this is serious stuff right here. I mean, this is this is he's in the same place Isaiah was. Uh, this word, this whole this whole ministry for you Jews is going to be like a, a scroll that is sealed up. And he, can you read this? Well, no, it, it's sealed. Or no, I I can't even read exactly. So only thing you can do is make up rules. Only thing you can do is embrace false philosophies. Make up, make up more rules. Follow more things. But we're done here. You're going to stumble, fall back, and be destroyed. But we're done here. Right, that, that's, that's what's taking place right here. It, it's not just a little clever little story. This is, this is the rejection of, of Galilee right here. I'll pray, and, and we're finished. Father, we do thank you again for the chance to look into these things. We do ask that we would not just seek to judge others and judge our culture, but allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts and expose to us the wickedness that is within our own hearts, that we may be purified, not by the things we do, but by the Word of God and by the salvation you provided for us. We do ask that we may walk in the light and that your Spirit may lead us and guide us into the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.